In the ring with Eusebius Marquiza. Eusebius Marquiza. When one immediately thinks about the inner city of Johannesburg, the first thing that comes to mind is crime, drugs, prostitution and gangs. You are flooded with images of busy and congested streets that you would and most probably do avoid. But right in the heart of Johannesburg in Hillbrow, young children have found an escape. A home that offers them safety, love, security and a chance to reimagine any odds that have been stacked against them. By using boxing as a form of discipline, child protection and development specialist Luke Lumbrecht has created a program that has been running for 13 years. And every child who enters the doors of Fight With Insight never leaves the same. I had a father all, all this time and then he decided to leave at some point. I didn't know what happened between him and my mom, but then that kind of shook me up because it kind of made me feel bad for why am I the only one in the community that doesn't have a father. It kind of led me into doing some bad things in the community. I started um, stealing stuff that didn't belong to me. I got involved in a lot of street fights and stealing and robbing people. I was in Nilbro and, and my crime rates increased in terms of now dealing with drugs and, and getting involved in a lot of street fights as well and stealing more stuff like house break-ins and at the events I would never go there for when enjoying the shows I would just go there and, and, and follow those people and just rob them. Um, luckily I think I was blessed not to get caught and, and go to, to prison but then I've been into holding cells. 21-year-old Laki Nyasambo lives in the inner city of Johannesburg in Hillbrow. Nyasambo was saved from the clutches of crime when he entered the doors of Fight with Insight. 150 boys from all walks of life in Joburg participate in the organization to stay off the streets. Child protection and development specialist Luke Lamprecht felt a need to create a space for vulnerable inner city young kids. Eusebius Makaiza went along for the ride. He sat down with Luke Lamprecht to speak to him about how boxing can dispel toxic masculinity and be used as a mechanism to build character and develop self-esteem and to show how this one sport has managed to stop the cycle of abuse and prevent young offenders from becoming adult offenders. I love the idea of boxing with insight because when we think about boxing, those of us who don't know much about boxing, I'm very new to boxing, um, we think about quite frankly, the very things that you fight against and advocate against, which is excessive physicality, which is hyper-masculinity, beating each other up, using violence as a way to deal with one's anger. And, and yet, I know that you're not about that, so you're going to have to explain to me, A, why boxing? But the other part of it is that boxing with insight is great because very often we have stereotypes. We think boxers are dancers, they're stupid, they're anti-intellectual. And here you are using the word insight, which suggests that you're dealing with kids who are curious, whereas usually we don't think that boxing and a library go hand in hand or hand in glove. So I think that the first thing to understand is that the, the average inner city boy lacks male role models and as a result what happens is that they get drawn to what are male role models that have had to make sort of a go of it in a tough city. That often relates to sort of levels of criminality, there's levels of violence associated with it and 
that need to belong and establish identity is critical in the adolescent phase for uh, for well for boys and girls but for boys to establish an identity the default position is gangsterism drugs and all the stereotypes that people from Santon think of the, <laughs> yes. in, the the boys of the city of Joburg so boxing as a rite of passage for us is the important concept because if you don't give children rites of passage especially boys they will make them gang initiations initiations into schools, hostels, etc., which tend to involve fear and pain and secrecy. Whereas with the boxing, we can say, okay, this is what you're confronted with on the street. Normally you will react to this. We are giving you a way to respond. With the recidivism rate sitting at about 80%, the conditions under which juveniles are kept in most prisons do not create a basis for rehabilitation. Due to the problem of overcrowding, the requirement for separation from adult prisoners is not always adhered to. 85% of prison officials have no training in working with children. Statistics from the annual report of the Judicial Inspectorate for Correctional Services shows that there were 26,810 sentenced juveniles between the ages of 18 and 21 and 235 sentenced children under the age of 18 in correctional centers at the end of March in 2014. Lambrecht identified a gap in helping idle youths not to commit crime to find a constructive way to spend their free time. What we foster is resistance. And, you know, our, one of our um, sister organizations in, uh, in Rio is called Luta Pelapage. And Luta is the original uh, Luta Continua. The struggle continues. And this is the struggle for the soul of the boy child. And the, the idea of struggle, we have to acknowledge that the boys and girls who get here, predominantly boys, and obviously girls for different reasons, but they have to resist all of the things that we've discussed, gangsterism, drugs, easy money, they have to resist it to come here for a, pro-social, uh, for a pro-social experience. But the nail on the head part is that belonging is a need. So that need is either unmet, children are isolated, depressed, suicidal, or it is met in a distorted way, which is gangsterism, with all the same, with all the same things that meet the need and then you have a pro-social way of meeting the need so I didn't initially open a ballet school in the middle of Hillbrow to try and assist the boy child but now we do, now we do have boxing and ballet yeah. because for the boys to break down their own mental ghettos about what, what ballerines are you have to expose people to those things and the ghettos are in our minds and there's ghettos in Santon minds there's ghettos in Hillbrow minds and the main theme is to kind of lower those ghettos and what that does is foster opportunity through relational interaction Earlier we introduced you to Lakinya Sambo He talks about how his life spiralled out of control and how the temptation of crime was at his fingertips so, because with, with, with living in the streets, doing bad things, I would make money, like, randomly, uh, make a lot of money, but then it has, like, um, it has, like, um, ins and outs of it, because you can win this day, and then sometimes you might not, and, and they're not parts, are the ones that keep us, keep us, like, switched on, like, oh, if I get caught, what's going to happen to me, what's going to happen if my family finds out that I'm selling these things, I'm doing that and that, so we sold a lot of drugs, and then, it was kind of hard for me to adjust to the gym, but then it, people here made it easy for me to, to become who I am. And in 2016, I dropped out of school. The reason why I dropped out of school because I was traveling back and forth from Johannesburg and it was kind of exhausting for me to, to go. And then I was not a good student. Um, not because um, 
I, I, I had a mental problem or, or anything. It's just that I, I couldn't focus. I because of my history and and my situation at home, I couldn't uh, like pay attention because I know like people that that, that are growing hard, growing up hard in, the, in certain families, they're the ones that work hard. But I had that, but I didn't see myself like studying and stuff. Because I had to, when I was studying all the time, I had to be chased to wash dishes, or I had to be sent away to somewhere far to get something small. So it was t- kind of taking my time, and then I didn't like. And, and and besides that, just the environment I grew up in didn't allow me to to kind of focus on my academic. Not all the boys that fight with insight are vulnerable to crime. Some are running away from situations at home. I know like most of the stories you've heard with everyone has come from like crime and stuff like that uh, but mine is kind of very mine is kind of different from that that side I come from a family that was wealthy a very rich family and being in that environment you know how kids are we just like exposed to this thing where you get stuff or that you know you just have fun as a kid and you like carefree and then boom out of the blue mom and dad are fighting it just it just confuses you because then you see things that you, you you wish you didn't see, seeing your mom fight with your dad and hear the arguments every night from your bedroom, wondering like what's going on, will it end, and that and instead of it not ending, unfortunately, it spiraled out of control, and one day mom decides to leave the house, you know, and then now we hear that my mom and dad are divorcing. And as kids, now we're torn between mom and dad. What do we want to do? Do we want to go with mom or dad? And then we ended up going to a family advocate. Um, and we were told, like, from my story is kind of dark, though, because, like, the night before that, my dad had spoke to us, and he gave us, like, this bad image of my mom. No details. <laughs> and then we decided to go live with my dad. Now... Growing up with an abusive dad, emotionally and physically, especially towards me, not knowing why, like I'm confused. I'm a kid. I'm not. I don't know what's going on. Dad is just always grumpy, angry, always shouting, and fighting with everyone in the house. And as I grew with that, you know, kept on growing, hearing bad stories about my mom, and that caused me to shut down as a kid. And then I was withdrawn, quiet, very sad, depressed, because now. I used to go to school whereby you see kids with their parents, like you see kids fetching their uh, the parents fetching their kids from school happy. Hear all these mom and dad stories. My my dad took me here, my mom took me here, and days whereby you'd hear these parent teacher conferences. I never used to go. Uh, my dad never used to go to. So I missed out on that part, you know, hearing the story the next day, which is kind of painful. It, it seems like just normal when you're a kid, but there's always that, 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 that side of it on the inside that actually hurts and still does to this day, um, trying to deal with it. Uh, time goes on. I become a teenager. High school starts. Now I'm exposed to a new environment whereby I'm surrounded by kids who come from like rich families and that. And like I said, I was in a rich family when I was young, and then my uh, what happened with my dad's family business is spiraled out of control, going from everything to nothing in like about a week. So you know how that is. Uh, and then that happened. I hit high school. Uh, I was very withdrawn, so because then I couldn't do most of the things kids do, which is go out, have fun, 
do things a normal kid would do. Like if you have a girlfriend, you take her out. Couldn't do that, so I just kept to myself all high school. It was pretty sad. <laughs> and there'll be nights whereby um, uh, right now um, I have this thing called social anxiety, and I have those things whereby in places like in, the, in like super huge crowds or that, like I feel very. Because then I didn't like I didn't grow up around those. I was always like isolated, you know. And I've been going through. Uh, uh, when I was a kid, I went through like one of the darkest depressions, whereby it came to a point where I tried to commit suicide uh, several times, which is bad. 21-year-old Brendan Ramme used the gym as a way to escape from his depression and his abusive father. He now does art and design for Fight With Insight. I met Coach Luke and he asked me questions like, what are your talents? Like, what do you do? You know? So I voiced out, I'm an artist, I do music, I like presenting, you know, I have this confidence that I'd like to show people. I just never had that platform, you know? And it began from there. I started growing as a person, opening up. And now I'm actually one of the most, like, one of the loudest people in this gym. You know, I'm like, I'm crazy. <laughs> you know, and it's kind of hard to believe for most people because then they're like, you know, that transition. It took two years to actually come out completely, you know. Um, and now uh, I'm on this journey to actually pursue my dream and become one of the best artists to come out of South Africa, musical-wise and visual-wise. Uh, yeah, that's my story. So, honest, yeah. Luke Lambrecht is working hard to dispel the notion that boxing should be used for violence. Is this where Musi Maimane came to learn to box? Now, if Musi Maimane came with that comment that he's going to take his jacket off and let him put him in the boxing ring or whatever, we wouldn't allow him in our gym. Because that is precisely what we are not wanting to use it for because that's vengeful. It is so boxing. We, we match you by weight, we match you by age, we match you by skill, and, and and it's a gladiatorial. It's a very primal gladiatorial thing. If you come in and say I'm going to show you because I'm tougher than you, and I'll show you whatever. I mean, it it is base, and that's violent. And we do not promote that. And we would, in fact, if he said that, and he was a member of my gym, and he said that publicly, he'd be banned from the gym. And I mean that completely. We are not fighters. We are boxers. Fight with Insight is more than just a gym for young kids to punch beanbags. Their facilities in downtown Joburg look across the majestic Constitutional Hill. The facility is situated within the Children's Memorial Institute, which was founded in the 1920s. The institute was first named the Transvaal Memorial Hospital for Children, and it was the first hospital in Johannesburg that was dedicated to children. The building has some of the relics of the past which are featured quite prominently where the fight for justice still resides. For those not in the know, describe which part of Joburg we are at and how interesting it is geographically because it's an intersection of very different parts of Johannesburg. It is, prob it is probably as an, as an intersection in Joburg, if you tell people where you are, 
Um, it depends on who I tell to get them here. So if I'm telling uh, the people from Sampton who want to come and visit, I'm telling them we're in Parktown. If I tell business people who are looking for investments in safer parts of the city, I tell them we're in Bramfontein. And if you want your street cred like you as a boxer to go up, we'll tag you in Hilbra. So we literally are we, with the intersection of Park, uh, Parktown, Bramfontein and Hilbra, and we flank the constitutional court. Fight with Insight is not only for boys. 17-year-old Jennifer Kwanele Madibi shares her story of how the inner city pressures brought her to the doors of Fight with Insight. My name is Jennifer Kwanele Madibi. I'm 17 years of age. I live in the inner city of Johannesburg called Hillbro. Uh, how I came here to Fight with Insight it was... Um, firstly, I was introduced by a friend, a close friend of mine that told me about the gym and I came and checked it out but I didn't like it that much so I didn't attend as much and then there was a scenario in my life that uh, was life-threatening for me where I committed suicide because of mostly peer pressure and I went to a psychologist, the whole process of psychology and the advice that I come to fight with inside and join for the sections and that's how I became a member and started loving boxing and became a part of the whole family. 17-year-old Jennifer was only 12 years old when she attempted suicide. Oh, as a child in the inner city, especially a young girl, it, it might sound weird that at the age of 13 or 12, young girls at the inner city are pressurized to like have a relationship, have a boyfriend, and use drugs, uh, drugs and substances. And those are the types of pressure that I was exposed to. And being a young girl, I, I didn't get as much approval from the boys that I needed attention from and that contributed into my stress levels, my low self-esteem and my mom was very protective so she, would, she wouldn't she would allow me to use those substances that were being proposed to me so it made me question a lot why doesn't she want it, does she hate me and those type of things and every time when my friends had a conversation about those things that they saw as perfect in the inner city I would uh, feel like I would feel like I'm useless in life or something like that. I never talked to my mom about the peer pressure and how I felt because she was always uh, uptight towards me, always trying to protect me, and it's only now that I realized that she was protecting me. At first, I thought she was like, she didn't want me to be like other kids, and that really hurt me. And when she, when it happened, the time of the suicide attempt, uh, she was really heartbroken because um, she didn't expect that from me. She thought that she was raising me perfectly, like a perfect mom would do. Eusebius Makaiza spent a Friday afternoon with Fight With Insight. After a grueling round in the ring, he entered a court of another kind. Kulufe Loramulife, a Fight With Insight old boy, says his life changed when he came to the gym. But he didn't just stop there. He now teaches the children chess and is the Institute's psychological support coach. We're talking a little bit about strategy and tactics. In boxing, there's a lot of strategy and tactics. How does learning to be a good chess player help some of these young people to be better boxers? So as you just mentioned there, Eusebius, um, chess is a game of strategy and as a result, um, you learn how to actually formulate strategies in terms of moving forward in the game. 
and as you learn, you kind of implement, you try and teach these strategies to be implemented in other aspects of life. Chess even teaches um, elements of responsibility. Well. Absolutely. Yeah, so um, it's one of the biggest things that we actually focus on right here at Bible Insight, and that is being able to respond. Yusibis Makaiza was touched by the stories of the brave young boys of Fight with Insight. Each of them had taken their time to share their own personal, deep and gruesome traumas that they experienced before coming to the gym. Eusebius sat down and was inspired to tell his own story. So I grew up in the Eastern Cape. Are any of you from the Eastern Cape? I don't know. I was about to say, there can't be so many good boxers and you're not from the Eastern Cape. Because the Eastern Cape is the, the boxing province of this country. So I'm from the Eastern Cape and I grew up in a family that in some ways, and, and this is the other reason why I'm here, is that I know some of the struggles that you guys go through. You know, I, my favorite, there's a couple of places along the corridor that's been my favorite today. The boxing, because I started boxing a couple of months ago, that's why I'm still useless, but I love boxing already. Uh, it's great fun, but my other favorite place was the library. And the reason why the library is my favorite place is because the library and some of what I'm going to say to you guys is very difficult. So, you know, the other thing that I know Luke is teaching you is how to deal with your emotion. And when you talk about your past, including your difficult past, it can be very difficult. And my past is just as difficult as you guys. So if I cry, crying is one of the most natural things to do. Please don't feel weird. Um, if you do have a tissue, she knows that I like crying, so she brought a whole towel with. <laughs> so I'm going to share a little bit with you about my own background and why I think what you guys are doing is so beautiful in terms of the journey that you're on as young kids, as teenagers, as young men. Um, the library. The library touches me emotionally because most of my childhood was spent in the library. You know, not because my parents were professors or teachers or educated. In fact, I was the first person in my family to finish high school. Um, and in fact, the only good thing about my community, which was a very poor colored community, is that the library was right next to my house and it was well stocked with amazing books. So in order to run away from trouble at home, I would literally just jump over the fence and go to the library and start reading. So when I see a library, I immediately think freedom, I think running away from problems, I think not having to deal with my drunk uncle, not having to deal with my cousin who raped me because I can go and read a book and in the book and the world of the books, I'm very safe. And for me, that is what the library is about. It's running away from violence, running away from people who want to hurt me. It's, it's all of those things that many of you guys have experienced. I have experienced as a child. And I didn't know what I was doing in the library. I, I wasn't trying to read so that one day I can live in Santon or go overseas. I've been to more than 20 countries. I have a very good salary. I can tell you, but my colleagues will be jealous who work with me at the same station. That's not why I was reading and getting an education. I went to the library because I wanted to run away from the same things that many of you guys run away from at home when you come here, right? That's, I had exactly the same thing. I had an uncle that had shouted at me the whole day, fight with me, fight with the cousins. I had a cousin who was preying on me, who was doing bad things with me sexually from a young age. I had a mom and a dad who were constantly fighting with each other. And the library was my safe space. But the reason why it's difficult to talk about the library is that, and why it makes me cry very easily, 
is because you can hear the sound outside, right? You can hear that sound. I told you my library was next to my house. And one of the weirdest things about my childhood is that you're sitting quietly in the library. But the library in a community is not really quiet, is it? You might have a, li a library. In our case, it was um, Mrs. May. I remember to this day. She will come to you very quickly and say, shh, quiet. But she can't stop what's happening next door. And what is next door? My house. So one of the strangest things about my childhood is the beauty of reading and the world of books and the characters that is running away. I'm running away from all the bad things, but I can hear my uncle fighting. I can hear my cousins fighting with my uncle. I can hear the alcohol that's being drunk and I know what's waiting once the library's closed, you know? And yet at the same time, looking back now in my childhood, I'm so grateful that I spent so much time in the library because Without the magic of books, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I didn't know that as a child because there was no one in my family who was reading. I was just reading in order to be safe. And so the first thing I want to encourage you guys to do is don't tell your, your boxing coaches, but I would like you to spend as much time in the library as you spent here, okay? Because no one can take away from you what you learn when you read books. Books is your ticket out of poverty. It is your ticket to help you deal with violence. It's your ticket to help you deal with all the things that happen at home. You won't understand it now. You are way too young. Even the oldest person looking at me, you're not old enough to understand this. By the time you're almost 40, which I'm turning in a couple of weeks time, then you will appreciate and you will think, I'm so glad I did boxing when I was young. I'm so glad I, I, I listened to that guy, that strange guy who came, who looked big but was crying and telling me to read books. I can't remember his funny name, but I'm glad I took his advice and I started reading. Because reading is gonna make a huge difference to your future. That's the first thing I want to encourage you to do. The second thing is, Luke and all of you as a community, you've set up different things here. There's a chess club. There is all the therapy work you guys are doing. The second thing that made a difference to my life coming from similar homes as you guys is learning how to speak and I'll get paid to speak. If I had to show you a video of me as a five-year-old, you would laugh. Firstly, I was very thin. <laughs> I was thinner than anyone here. This Mkaba only happened 20 years later. So I was an incredibly thin kid. The second thing is I was very shy. I couldn't speak a word. And the third thing is that I couldn't speak English. I learned to speak English properly at the age of 13. I, I couldn't, I spoke Afrikaans, which is my home language. And if I look at what I was like as a 10 year old who couldn't speak English, very, very shy, to where I am now, where I've got three degrees, I got all my degrees with distinction, I've written three books, I've been a South African national debating speak, uh, a champion, I've been a world masters champion in debating. It's, it's remarkable, it's absolutely remarkable. And the funny thing about that journey is that you guys are lucky, you've got all these mentors, and some of you first came into the program before you became mentors, right? I didn't have that mentor. 
I am a very competitive child. I see some of you are very competitive boxers. I'm very competitive. So I was lucky that I went to a good township school and then I was top of my class and the, the headmistress at my school said, you will not go to this bad high school in the community. So she took me off to a former white only school in my, in my community. So I went to a very good high school. And I remember when I got to the high school and you guys will experience this in life coming from poor communities. You meet rich kids, black kids who are rich, white kids who are rich, and they think they're better than you, right? And that's what happened to me at the age of 13. I was top of my class in grade seven. So I lived in the township. Now I go to the suburbs on a bursary. And the first thing the kids ask me, especially the white kids is, oh, what school did you go to? So I say to them, oh, I went to St. Mary's, which is a township college school in my community. And they started laughing. And they said, you know, how did you do? And I said, well, I was the top kid at my school. And they laughed again. And the reason they were laughing is that for them, Coming first in your class in a township school is not an achievement. They think it's not a real school. Only if you go to a good school, if you're going to St. John's and you are top of your class, will they give you respect. But because I'm a very competitive person, I said to myself, without having a mentor, without having a look in my life, I said, I'm gonna show these white boys. That's what I was saying to myself. So by the time I got to matric, I was the top student in the school, one of the top in the province, and from there my university career um, happened, went to Rhodes University, went to Oxford University, one of the best universities in the world, and that's all because of that drive. But what I didn't know as a child, which is the last thing I want to say, and then you can ask me whatever question you want, is that because the adults in my life were not doing the things that adults should do, I didn't know that I was choosing activities that will change my life forever. So the three activities, four activities, and I, and I want to encourage all of them with you, right? And remember this, this is my message to you. The one is reading. Read whatever you can read. That's the first activity. Reading changed my life. The second thing that changed my life was chess. I played for Eastern Province. I was a provincial chess player. I used to go to chess competitions. I had a huge chess library. I still have lots of chess books. I studied chess. And chess changed my life because in chess you learn how to think. If you are good at chess, you have a better chance of doing well at maths, for example. Chess players are many times very good at maths and vice versa. I got an A for maths and sometimes for matric, instead of doing the papers before the exam, I would play with one of my best friends because I knew that if my chess game was on form, I knew that I was ready for maths. You won't understand it now, but just trust me. If you take chess seriously, you're gonna be better at some of your school subjects, especially a subject like maths. So chess is the second thing that really made a huge difference. The third thing, uh, Luke, which, will, which I'll do for you guys, if you ever get an opportunity to do debating or public speaking, say yes, you want to be part of that club going to teach you confidence, it's going to teach you to find your voice, it's going to help you to learn how to communicate and not to feel like there's something I want to say but the words don't come out of my mouth, okay? So if you ever get a chance at school or year or some other opportunity to, to sign up for public speaking, learning how to speak in public, please say yes. Learning how to speak changed my life. I was a very shy boy, now I can't shut up. And in fact now I get paid to not shut up, right? So public speaking is incredibly important. And then the fourth thing, 
which I didn't know as a child. I only know it now as an adult. And I was incredibly lucky, incredibly lucky. And not everyone has this opportunity. And if you ever get this chance, then you are really blessed and you must say yes. Promise me you will. Is that I played the piano. So I studied the piano for eight years. And what that taught me as a boy especially is how to not be shy of my own emotions. Because at boys we are told you're not allowed to cry, you're not allowed to have feelings. You can't be good at piano or any musical instrument unless your teacher is really bad and not learn how to understand the importance of your emotions. So I kept my emotions to myself. My parents got divorced, they're fighting, I'm a quiet kid, I'm not speaking to anyone. All the social workers came when my, fam my, my mom and dad got divorced when I was 10. And they wanted to know from us, who do you want to live with, your mom or your dad? I couldn't speak, because remember, I'm shy and I can't speak English. And this big scary woman is asking me, do you want to go with dad or with mom? I can't speak. And what the piano has done is that it allowed me to learn how to express myself. Now, I've learned something from Luke that I didn't know, and I'm going to tell Musi Maimane and Luke, <laughs> that when it comes to boxing, there's also, there's also emotion and art and movement, right? It's not all explosive. That's a beautiful thing with the right kind of coaching. But if you ever get a chance to do ballet, even as a boy, to play a musical instrument, not, not all of us get the chance. It makes a huge, huge difference. And what do all of these things have in common? Reading in my life, playing the piano, playing chess and doing public speaking, they have one thing in common. You only have one life. You have a difficult life. You didn't choose to be born in a difficult part of Joburg or South Africa or Africa or the world. You didn't choose your, your parents. You didn't choose to be abused if you've been abused. You didn't choose to be a victim of violence. You didn't choose any of those things. But if you ever get an opportunity, take it. Because you only get one life and you don't want to regret it. Okay. Thank you. This little gem in the heart of Joburg is changing the lives of hundreds of inner city children. These kids themselves say they could have ended up in prostitution, crime, drugs, in a gang, or even worse, dead. But worst of all, they would have never come into realizing their full potential.